Welcome in to another edition of the Daily Tap for Monday. I'm your host, Charlie. We are going to talk about the Green Bay Packers and the Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to talk about the disaster that is the special teams for the Green Bay Packers and why that could prevent them from winning a Super Bowl. We're going to also get into star ratings, who played the best, who played the worst for the Green Bay Packers in their win against the Chicago Bears. We're going to talk about what Dante DiVincenzo brings for the Bucks and how will that affect the lineups. Does Dante go to the starting rotation? Does Grayson Allen keep his job? We'll chat about that. We'll also hand out some golden kegs for the New York and Houston games as well. So great show today. Make sure you're following us on the social medias, Tapping the Keg Sports on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Tapping the Keg on Twitter. Uh, All are good. If you just want to do a couple, we appreciate it. Rate, review, subscribe as well. I'm sure you're already subscribed if you're listening to this podcast. I've Good, good chance either on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast. Really love those ratings. We'd really love those reviews. If you leave a review and you tell me you leave a review or you leave a rating and you tell me you leave a rating, maybe, just maybe, I'll drop about five bucks so you can buy a beer on me to show my appreciation for you being a listener and all the support throughout the year. I, it would mean a ton to me. I really hope that you might take me up on that offer. I'll mention that at the end of the show too, so you don't forget. But let's start talking about the Green Bay Packers and the special teams specifically. Usually after a win, you want to talk about something that is good. You want to talk about something that is encouraging, that's looking forward, looking ahead. But for this game, you have to talk about the special teams. The special teams were the story of this game. They stuck stuck out like a sore thumb. They looked like the Kendall Roy of the Green Bay Packers. They were an absolute fucking mess. And you wondered if any of them practiced this week. Like, it was a disaster to the highest degree. And I hate to be so... So full of hyperbole, right? Like I I know that I'm using like words that are intense and, and the superlatives are strong here, but I truly do mean it. The special teams all were bad. There's nothing that was good. And it was from start to finish. It wasn't like one special team's error to start the game. It was just embarrassing that Green Bay had this happen. I know there will be pinheads that say, well, if the Packers played anybody good, they would have lost this game. Maybe, but they won. And they won by 15 points. They covered a spread. I don't really care that the Packers you know, might have lost to a better team. That That's irrelevant to me. If anything, you can make the commentary that it's good that the Packers special teams was this bad against an awful team. Next week, you play probably the best special teams unit in all of football in the Baltimore Ravens, according to DVOA, which we're going to get to in a second here. So you're going to be up against it against Baltimore, but I'd rather you do this against Chicago. I'd rather get out all the bad, just puke it all out. You made a mistake. You drank Ron Diaz when you shouldn't, and now get back to work and maybe drink Admiral Nelson or Captain Morgan like a real fucking man, all right? But the fact is, is the Green Bay Packers special teams needs to be fixed immediately. Now, we're always so quick to call for somebody's job, but it really feels like Maurice Drayton is talking to a brick wall. Like, I'm not sure what Maurice Drayton is doing as a coach. I understand that Matt LaFleur defended him after the game, but in in all honesty, 
there needs to be some sort of shakeup in that special teams room. Whether it is Drayton taking a step back, whether it's Matt LaFleur becoming more involved in special teams. Remember, Matt LaFleur being a head coach, offensive guy, he said he wanted to be more involved with the defense. I think it's time for Matt to get involved with the special teams, less on the defense, and just trust that those guys have it. Because Mike Smith, Jerry Gray, or Jeremy, yeah, Jerry Gray, uh, Jerry Montgomery, there's two Jerry's, uh, they, they do a great job. And I don't know if they need LaFleur to be involved. And I actually don't know how involved LaFleur is. It was really interesting. This is kind of a sidetrack, but it was really interesting to hear Tommy Reese and Ryan Rasillo's podcast talk about how involved Brian Kelly was. And the reason he stayed is because Marcus Freeman's kind of going to let him cook. And I think by now I would assume that Matt LaFleur lets Joe Barry cook because Joe Barry has produced a very good defense. But now I think it's time for LaFleur to be in Drayton's ear and be like, what are you doing? How are we improving this? How are we making sure that something like Jakeem Grant's 97-yard punt return does not fucking happen again? That's the type of stuff that I think LaFleur needs to be more involved with. And if he realizes that Drayton's not the guy, then make a switch. Then add somebody else to that special team's unit that has more of a voice. Talk to some of the special team's leaders. Talk to Mason Crosby. Talk to Corey Baroquez. Talk to Ty Summers, who's on a bunch of special teams. Maybe a Dennis Kelly even. like Who can you talk to that's going to give you the true answers about what guys, what people are needed to be more involved with the special teams unit? Because right now, it's costing Green Bay a chance at the Super Bowl. I am scared to death that they are going to blow a game in January and we're going to point to the special teams and we're going to just have to say, well, if only our special teams was better, we would be in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl. That line right there scares me to death because I've seen it before. It's funny that Brandon Bostic was in the stands for this game. Brandon Bostic tweeted out that he was coming up to Green Bay. He wanted to know about tailgating. Again, like Brandon Bostic, it's been seven years, man, and still you don't understand how to read the room. I understand that you went through a lot of mental health stuff after what happened, and, and it makes a ton of sense. You cost the team a chance at a Super Bowl. and But I also don't think that there's a ton of people that have forgave Brandon Bostic. Like, sure, if I ran into Brandon Bostic, would I be like, yeah, you cost us 2014, fuck off? No, because I'm a civilian and I'm an individual. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be civil. Like, I'll say, hey, what's up? But I'm not going to, like, get a selfie with him or, like, try to bring him on the podcast. Like, I don't want to talk to Brandon Bostic. I don't give a fuck about him. To be respectfully, I just don't care. But him being in the building is so ironic because the special teams that year cost the Packers a chance at the Super Bowl. And it was the Bostic fumble. But it was also, remember, they got got on a fake field goal and the see that's how the Seahawks got their first points of the game. The Packers were dominating, held the Seahawks to a field goal. Defense is playing great, and all of a sudden they're able to get a fake field goal with a guy wide fucking open in the corner of the end zone. So special teams cost the Packers one Super Bowl, and what I am hoping is that they do not cost us another one. Right now, Green Bay is 30th in DVOA for special teams. 30th. That is two to the bottom. That is like New York Jets, Houston Texans level bad. For reference, that 2014 team I just referenced, they were 21st. 
if that team was nine spots better than this team, we have a real problem on our hands. And it's terrifying. How can you not come away from this game and be like, I am scared to death that the Green Bay Packers are going to lose in the playoffs because of their special teams. It just, it, it doesn't it have that feel? Doesn't it have the feel? And I, and I hate, I am not a pessimist. That's not my role. If you listen to Mitch and I, when we talk, I'm the optimist, he's the pessimist. But I'm sorry, this it just scares the shit out of me that I have to trust this, this special teams. They have to get better. They have to. And there's going to need to be a some sort of switch. Something needs to happen. I can't believe Amari Rodgers is still returning punts. Haven't we seen enough from Amari Rodgers that he can't return punts? Just get one guy out there that can field kicks. All of a sudden, there was a groundswell for Tyler Irvin today, by the way. Which isn't surprising. Because Tyler Irvin's a free agent. Packers are a little short on running backs. I like Patrick Taylor. I think Patrick Taylor is an interesting prospect going forward. But would I be more inclined to be down with Swerve? Absolutely. And could you work Swerve into the offense a little bit like you did last year? No doubt. So if Swerve's ready to play, like get him out here, man. And even if he's not in game shape, guess what? By playoff time, he will be. That'll be a month. He, he should have a month under his belt, and he should be ready to play. And Jair, Jair's a one that's really interesting, right? Because Jair Alexander used to take back kicks, used to take back punts. He's probably too good of a player to be back there. But even if it's just fair catching, even if they tell Jair, like, hey, we don't want you returning anything. Just fair catches, that's it. That's all we're going to do. And I realize that the mentality of sports is that we don't just settle for the easy or we settle for the cheap way out. Like I wanted Green Bay to squib every kick going forward to not let Grant do any, or Herbert was the guy returning the kicks. I don't want Herbert to do anything. And yet they won it. They kicked it off. They kicked it all the way down the field. And they had some moments on kick return. Henry Black forces a fumble. They were much better on the kick return in the second half. But then there was a shank punt. There was the onside kick from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The Packers just need to tighten everything up. They're way too loose with the special teams. And I just really hope it does not cost them in January. I hope I'm not linking this out in late January saying, I told you guys, I told you guys that this was a problem. I will pray that it, it does not come to this. I will pray that Aaron Rodgers is good enough to overcome a really bad special teams unit because he's Aaron Rodgers, he's great, he's having another MVP season. But man, is this a problem? And I hope it gets fixed. You play the best special teams team in all of football with the Baltimore Ravens next week who are number one in DVOA. So good luck. That's gonna that's going to be a challenge. And it should be a talking point. It really should. Because you can't keep putting your defense in positions where they're not able to succeed. Same with your offense. And the special teams did that over and over again in this game. Let's just hope it gets better in the final month of the season. Alright let's do star ratings. Star ratings, for those who are unfamiliar, 
We give out ratings from 5 to 1, who played the best, who played the worst in the Packers win or loss. We do it, if it's a win, we do it loss. We've expanded, I think, a little bit more um, than just our typical one or two guys. I, I'm kind of happy with it. Um, so let's start with the five stars. Aaron Rodgers gets the first one. 29 of 37, 341 yards, four touchdowns. This is the seventh, tank, got, seventh time that Aaron Rodgers has thrown four touchdowns, no interceptions against the Chicago Bears. No one has thrown more four touchdown, no interception games than Aaron Rodgers against the Bears. He also has six against the Minnesota Vikings. Tom Brady has five against the Bills. Complete ownership of the NFC North. The I still own you got way overplayed, but Rodgers backed it up. And for a guy who said after the game that his pinky toe actually felt worse, again, I said this, I think, last week or two weeks ago, like it's some Favre-level shit going on with Aaron Rodgers where he is basically kind of Herculean sort of effort here with the toe. And it, it, as much as that might bother him, I think Rodgers is going to keep gutting it out until he, he can't. And I think the goal is get the one seed and maybe get Rodgers an extra week off. They would love for them to go to Detroit and Rodgers be on the sidelines coaching Jordan Love and letting Jordan Love play in a full week of prep in a dead stadium where Love could potentially really shine and showcase for a team next offseason. But Rodgers continues to look like an MVP. I think him and Brady are going to battle to the end. It will probably go to Tom Brady because of the vaccination stuff, because of the oldest guy to do it. He's 44 fucking years old. I get it, but I don't know. I keep seeing Rodgers have these incredible performances where he's really erupted in the last two to three, whatever, three, two and a half games, like half of Minnesota, all of that Rams game, and then all of this one. Rodgers has definitely been on one, and it would not make me feel good if I was the Ravens, if I was the Browns, if I was the Vikings, if I was the Lions, having to see this guy come to town. Devontae Adams had a great game as well. Another five-star guy. 10 catches, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Thank you for that last one. I had Devontae on two touchdowns plus 300. That was a nice little payday for your boy. Devontae got off to a very slow start. There was a lot of talk about how Jalen Johnson was locking him down. Jalen Johnson's second-round pick out of Utah. The Bears are very high on Jalen Johnson. And Jalen Johnson did do a good job on Adams early, but it might have just been some rust from the bye week because once Adams got some oil in him, man, he was cooking. And he had a very good second quarter into the second half. The two touch, the first touchdown pass was incredible. Great catch from Adams. And the second one was almost better where Adams completely shakes Johnson's ankles and leaves them on the Lambeau Field end zone. He's a hell of a player, man. Not top two. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason why people call Devontae Adams the best receiver in football. And I think the Packer offense in the second half was what every NFC team fears is the way that Rodgers, Adams, and the running attack, and then a few other guys are able to A, control the clock, but B, push the ball downfield and score points and score them at an efficient rate. Packers were really good tonight in that second half. And that second half almost, it's not, doesn't outweigh the special teams disasters, but it, it's close because that, that second half gave me a ton of hope 
for what Green Bay has going forward. Other five stars, Preston Smith, man. Preston Smith continues to really have an awesome year. I think a lot of us were down on Preston to start the year. I think some wondered if Preston would make the team, if if they would if he would be a cap casualty. Preston's been incredible this year, and he continues to flourish. He had three QB hits. He had two sacks. He was in Justin Fields' grill all game long. I really loved what I saw out of Preston Smith in this one and believe that Preston Smith can continue to be a game wrecker for the Green Bay Packers. And let's just hope that continues uh, as Smith sort of, you know, will develop maybe a new role with Zadarius Smith potentially coming back. I would imagine Zadarius Smith comes back next week. I don't have that intel. I don't have that source. I said that two weeks ago to a couple friends. Like, Zadarius Smith's going to want to play against the Ravens. Like, he is as narcissistic of a motherfucker as anybody on the team. Aaron Rodgers is king narcissist, but Zadarius is his prince. Zadarius is going to play in that game. Guarantee it. Lock it in. Z will play against the Baltimore Ravens. Other five-star Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas, man, could make a Pro Bowl. I hope it's not unrealistic for Rasul Douglas to make a Pro Bowl. And I don't think the Packers are going to be able to afford Rasul Douglas next offseason. He's going to get paid, which is good for him, and there'll be a lot of hand-wringing about it. But, man, has Rasul Douglas been sort of the straw that stirs the drink on that defense. He picks fields off, runs another one back for a touchdown. Second straight game to do that. Only Herb Adderley, one of the Packer legends, has done that. Uh, Rasul's playmaking ability on defense Gives me a lot of Al, Al Harris, Charles Woodson vibes. Maybe not at the Charles Woodson level, uh, but definitely Al Harris. Like the way that he jumps routes reminds me of what Al Harris used to do. And his physicality is such a welcome sight. So I, I think the, the comp, even though he's smaller than Al Harris, is Al Harris. Like he just has that that vibe. Like that he can change a game with a break on a ball at any point. And he's going to get a lot of opportunities to make plays on intercept, intercepting or quarterbacks that throw a lot of interceptions. So you have Tyler Hundley, complete nobody, or Lamar Jackson, who also loves throwing interceptions. Baker Mayfield, big interception fan. Kirk Cousins, even though his numbers don't show it, he loves to throw interceptions. And then Jared Goff. Like, those are all ripe opportunities. He will not win player of the year. I tweeted that out like Rasul or I think Sewell for defensive player of the year. He won't win that, but the guy could make a Pro Bowl. He has been that good. He's been that impactful. It's hard to remember a guy like, I guess Andre Risen would maybe be the closest comparison, right? Of a guy who stepped in midseason and completely changed the roster. I don't know where the Packers are with without Rasul Douglas. If Rasul Douglas is not on that roster, I don't know. You'd, you'd have a lot of faith in uh, Shamar Jean Charles, have a lot of faith in Shannon Sullivan, who that's always a problem. Henry Black would be involved, who we're going to talk about in a little bit here. They needed Rasul Douglas, and Rasul Douglas has really shown out for this Packer team. Four stars. I have to give one to Dennis Kelly. I thought Dennis Kelly did a great job today. He gets thrown into the fire. Dennis Kelly has sort of been a guy that's been in the shadows. He was a former Tennessee Titan, and Kelly did really well. 
Did really well with, with that position as Turner goes out. It seems like Turner's going to be out for a significant period of time, and that will be Kelly's role. Hopefully, they can get David Bakhtiari back next week. That would be great to get Bakhtiari against the Ravens, who have a pass rush. But really, I think where you need Bakhtiari is against the Browns, because that Browns pass rush is fucking scary. And I don't want Aaron Rodgers to have to deal with Miles Garrett in his kitchen on a consistent basis. But yeah, Dennis Kelly did a great job, both run blocking, pass blocking. I thought he really, really kind of sealed that edge and wasn't a complete tire fire. And again, Adam Stefanich, oh, I butchered his name again. That's okay. Uh, The Marshfield uh, native continues to be the driving force of this Packer offense. It doesn't matter who gets in there. They are able to steady the ship, and that is so impressive. And Adam deserves a ton of credit for the work he's done. And there's no there's no surprise that he's going to get head coaching looks, that people are potentially looking at him for head coaching positions. I think offensive coordinator is in his future, if, especially if Nathaniel Hackett goes somewhere, right? Nathaniel Hackett goes somewhere to be a head coach. Would he take Adam Stefanos as his offensive coordinator? I would. I think that would be a great thing. I can't believe I can't pronounce his name, but so be it. Other four stars, Alan Lazard. We needed somebody to step up. I was walking with Murph to Loaded Slate on Saturday. Go to see our guy Shaykhan. And, oh, and my guy Sharky. I saw him. He does. I don't know if he listens as much, but it's good to see the shark out as well, now living in San Diego. Um, so we were walking, and he's like, you know, EQ, Lazard, DeGura, they all, one of them needs to step up with Cobb's absence. Like, Cobb has been such a threat on third down. He's been so good in the red zone. Like, they need a guy to step up. And I think Lazard filled that role really nicely. Six catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. He did really well in the slot position today, which was kind of unexpected. You look at Alan Lazard's body type, he you'd expect him to be more of an outside receiver. But Lazard did really well in that slot role today. I expect you'll see a lot more of that going forward as how well it worked against Chicago. I Obviously against... Baltimore, you're going to be able to pick on that secondary. So I, I imagine you'll see a lot more of that from Lazard next week. Other four-star, Eric Stokes. Now, Eric Stokes was kind of quiet in this game. Like, you're like, wow, I didn't hear Eric Stokes' name at all. That's because they weren't throwing near Eric Stokes at all. Eric Stokes had Allen Robinson on lockdown. I realize Allen Robinson is not the same guy he was last year. He was not the same guy he was two years before. Still, a very impressive day from Eric Stokes. The rookie should be proud. Probably one of his best games that I think he had once the grades come out. I do this before, like PFF and all that shit. But I think you'll get see a really good grade from Eric Stokes. Three stars, Devondre Campbell. Even though like he didn't do much today, the fact that he was involved with 16 total tackles is very impressive to me. I realize middle linebackers get a lot of tackles because they're always involved with plays. 16 is a lot, so that's where I give the three-star to Devondre. I also give a three-star position, a three-star award to the tight end position. Mercedes Lewis and Josiah DeGuerre combined for seven catches and about 90, 95 yards. That's going to get the job done. Are either of them Big Bob Tunyon? No. But if you use both of them like this going forward, I think that's really going to help the Packers. They really spread the ball out nicely in this game. That's a credit to Rodgers. 
But it's also a credit to Lafleur and his offense and springing guys open like Degura and Lewis at multiple points in this game. I think the Packers have something there, and I would imagine that you'll see more of Lewis and Degura getting involved in the action as they did on Sunday. Two stars go had a negative. Henry Black, man, another guy who I could do maybe not 10 minutes. I think I ended up doing 12 minutes on the special teams. I probably couldn't do a 12-minute open on Henry Black, but Henry Black is another guy if I had to rank who could cost the Packers a chance at the Super Bowl. Special teams would be one. I think Henry Black would be two. Channon Sullivan, three. Mason Crosby, four. Who will be the five? I have to have a fifth. Matt LaFleur getting too uptight, maybe five. I don't know. But regardless, Henry Black, he shows some signs of promise. Like you can see a ball player is there, but he gets over his skis too much too soon. He allowed that large touchdown. People are going to still pick on Black if he's out there. So the Packers have to do a better job of disguising him if they want Black out there, if they want his tackling, if they whoever knows why you're, you have a guy out there and what they see and we do not see. But they need to do a better job of hiding Black and not putting him in one-on-one matchup situations. Other two stars doing the belt celebration, it's never going to get you far. Robert Quinn doing the belt is an all-time dumb move. I realize he did this last time the Packers played the Bears. You'd think he'd learn his fucking lesson, but he loves doing the belt. So good for Robert Quinn. I mean, he's an old guy, old pro. Let him do the belt. He's going to lose. Also, Matt Nagy saying he's having fun, which makes sense. Like I'm sure Matt Nagy seeing his Bears team put up 27 points in the first half is like a husband who just come, came in his wife for the first time in three months. Like I, I feel like that has to be the same sort of energy that Matt Nagy had. I realize that's a little intense, but it's like 12.30. I have to get up in four hours. That's the type of content you're getting from me at this point. Matt Nagy, that was an all-time backfire. And now it'll be a meme for a while. It's already been a meme. It's going to be a meme for a while. Matt Nagy not having any fun probably anymore. And he went back to his miserable sexless life in the second half. Tough look for Nags. Um, it's, you know, I get what he was trying to say. But at the same time, maybe, just maybe, shut the fuck up. You have, you've had one good, good quarter, one good half, and God knows how many. Like, just let it ride. Just say, yeah, we're doing well. It's It's been an exciting half. Really like what I have saw out of the team. Here's what I hope we're doing in the second half. One star, we already talked about special teams. No more need for that. Also one star, the injuries. I feel like the combination of injuries and special teams always make the one star. Man, another bad day of injuries. Uh, you had EQ go out with a concussion. You had Billy Turner obviously out with that knee injury. You had Dominique Daphne leave with an ankle, I think an ankle, yeah, an ankle injury. Malik Taylor had an ab injury. They're probably going to have to bring in a a wide receiver. Be very interested to see if they do bring in a receiver and if that receiver has uh, kick return or punt return skills. And Turner, you know, again, they'll be next man up with the offensive line and they'll figure it out. Again, hopefully we can get David Boxiari back and then that kind of mitigates losing Turner because I think we'll lose Turner for a few weeks at least.
All right, and on to the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Milwaukee Bucks had themselves a really good weekend. Not only did they beat the Rockets and the Knicks, both on the road. I know you're like, Rockets, Knicks, they're not playing great. Well, well, first of all, the Rockets are playing good. The Knicks are not, but the early start time always seems to fuck with the Bucks. They're able to win both. They've now won 12 of the last 14. They're one game out of the second spot in the Eastern Conference. And they got news that Dante DiVincenzo is going to be back on Wednesday. So he will be appearing in the Indiana game, which will be at home after the Bucks get done with their road trip tonight against Boston. This is really welcome news. I think all of us thought Dante would be out till January, and Dante is going to be back before Christmas. That is a major lift to the Green or to the Milwaukee Bucks and what they're trying to do going forward. Um, Dante is going to help immediately off the bench. I do not think the Bucks will take Grayson Allen out of the starting rotation. I know Dante has had Grayson Allen's role for so long, but I do not see any reason why the Bucks would think about changing their lineup. Why fuck with a good thing that's working? I know Bud likes Dante DiVincenzo, but I can't fathom Bud pulling Grayson Allen and moving Grayson Allen to the bench when he's already developed such good chemistry with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and the rest of the starters. The stats kind of back it up too. If you look at net rating, which I think, not even net rating, uh, offensive defensive rating, which I think is a great way, and net rating for that matter, is a great way to sort of understand how lineups are doing. You can go to the NBA NBA.com website. So right now, the offensive rating between the, the Bucks starters, uh, 117 per 100 possessions. Their defensive rating, 96.4 per 100 possessions. Their net rating as a team is 20.6. That is one of the best starting lineups for Milwaukee for their entire team. That is a really efficient lineup for the Bucks, And that is one that I think the Bucks are going to keep. There's nothing that the analytics say that could insert Dante back into the lineup. And I also have to think he's missed however many months. He's going to need some time to sort of heal. He's going to need some time to recover. Like this is not going to be something for Dante DiVincenzo just to immediately be back on his feet and playing 30 minutes. I would imagine he has some sort of minutes restriction. I would assume that the Bucs will get him ramped up. And even when he's ready to roll and he's in a full state, I still think that he's going to be on the bench and basically be filling in for Rodney Hood's minutes, a little bit of George Hill's minutes. And that's kind of where I think you'll see Dante. I don't think he'll be a point guard. I know there are some people who think Dante could be a point guard. I do think you can go without a point guard. Like I look at another team, another lineup that has played a ton of minutes for the Bucs, and it's George Hill, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Pat Connaughton, and Grayson Allen. I could see a situation where you go really big and you actually add Dante into that, take George Hill out, or take Connaughton out because the defensive rating for that one is 116. It's one of the worst defensive ratings for any of the big lineups for the Bucks. If you sort by minutes, there's 116 over 100 possessions. They have a net rating of negative nine. So that to me seems like an opportunity where you're like, all right, can we let Dante sort of filter into this lineup? The, the a lineup with 
Grayson Allen, George Hill, and Drew Holiday is a little bit better defensively if you add Drew Holiday into that mix with Grayson Allen. So maybe that isn't a role. You haven't seen that lineup much, though. Uh, Budenholzer's only ran that lineup through 13 games. Uh, the lineup of Holiday, Middleton, Giannis, Pat, and, and Grayson has a defensive rating of 113. So maybe Dante does cut into some of the Pat Connaughton minutes too. I think you have to just sort of plug and play Dante where he makes sense. I don't think that they're going to have a solution for Dante's role for probably a month. I think it's going to take some time to really understand how Dante fits. I love Dante off the bench. I think that's going to be a really good move, not only for Milwaukee, but for Dante DiVincenzo. Remember, when Dante was at his peak at Villanova, he was coming off the bench and being a microwave. There were moments for Dante before he moved into the starting rotation where he was that sort of microwave player for the Bucks, the bubble year and the year prior. I have confidence that Dante can do really well off the bench and be a guy that thrives. I think Grayson would be fine off the bench, and if Grayson got cold, and maybe that's a uh, conversation we should have. But I'll be honest, like if... Grayson were to like go on a cold streak and I, like Grayson was just not shooting like he's like Tyler Kolek of the fucking uh of the fucking uh whatchamacallit uh Marquette Golden Eagles I would be like all right maybe we need to look at, but I'd say Pat Conton should get the nod before before uh what's his name before Dante DiVincenzo because they he deserves it like he's been so good like he's been really, really good, and he he would deserve that right to go ahead because that to me is one of those really interesting, you know, situations where I don't think Dante has the first rights to the starting rotation. I think it's Grayson. I think then it's Pat, and then I would put Dante there. I do wonder what Rodney Hood's future is with this team. I know he played really well. Not surprisingly, right before Dante's ready to come back, Rodney Hood all of a sudden comes through with a 14-point game. But I just think Dante's going to need to earn his way back on a starting rotation. And this isn't any slight to DiVincenzo. It's more just the play of Grayson Allen and the play of Pat Connaughton have deserved sort of put Dante ahead of those guys is ridiculous. He, he doesn't have that right. And I think Dante will be used more as a reserve guy. I still think he'll get anywhere from... 15 to 25 minutes when he's back to full strength. I think the first couple month, first couple weeks are going to see sort of a minutes restriction. But yeah, I think 15 to 25 minutes a game. And I do think the Bucs want to showcase him because he's a very tradable asset for Milwaukee. I know he's really well liked with the team. They were really happy to have him back. The, the tweets from Bobby Portis. Uh, you had Pat Connaughton do like a... I think it's a it's like a video series, like keeping it PC, which Pat Connaughton, I think, can never say no to a marketing idea ever. Like, I think I could interview Pat Connaughton on Tabbing the Connect. Like, if I really wanted to, I think Pat, Pat Connaughton would come on with Mitch and I. Like, I definitely think that would be possible. I don't think it would be hard at all. Pat just doesn't say no to shit, which, good for him. I wouldn't say no to shit either. And he's a guy that I think is going to, has made some real inroads here in Milwaukee. But yeah, I, I expect Dante to be a bench guy. I think he's going to be successful in that role my expectations for him won't be too much looking at sort of the schedule i would say by probably right after christmas i'm going to be like all right now we're, we need to start seeing it a little bit more if he starts slow if he doesn't start slow then and he's off and running then great and that's awesome but it's really good to have dante back it's continues to build that Bucks bench and it continues 
to make the Bucks bench even stronger. And that is really important for them moving forward and what their success will be. And they, they've been rolling. They've been ha- they have had a really good December, a really good late November. Like I said, 12 out of 14. But you're gonna you there are gonna be those games like the Miami game on one, Wednesday night where you need another scorer, where you need another guy like a Brooke Lopez, like a Dante stepping up and helping out when your starters aren't there. But let's get to the Golden Kegs of the weekend. So we had the Knicks game last night. We had the Rockets on Friday. We'll do both. Uh, for the Knicks, three kegs going out to Chris Middleton. Chris had such a good first half. Now he didn't really have the same second half, but. 24 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. He was 8 of 17 from the floor. He was on fire in the first half with 16 points. Was really sort of the driving force for Milwaukee to start hot. And Milwaukee has struggled in day games in the past. It has been a thing. Uh, Giannis tends to play better when he has his nap. Maybe because he's a two-time dad now, two-time sex haver. He now is able to actually deal with these day games because he doesn't sleep as much. I, I, that's what I hear, at least, as someone who is not a father, who is fatherless. or well, not fatherless, but who has a kid childless. That's the word. <laughs> I'm not fatherless. I love my dad. Um, but... Giannis is definitely a little bit different, but Chris sort of pushed forward. He was the he was really the reason why the Bucks got out to an early halftime lead and played really well in the first half and had a decent second half as well. Two kegs, gotta go to Giannis. Near triple double for him. Twenty points, eleven assists. Oh, he did get a triple double. Excuse me. He, I didn't know if he got it, so I was, I was kind of working around the kitchen doing some house shit, and I didn't know that Giannis actually got his triple double. That's fantastic. So triple double for Giannis. Twenty points, eleven assists, ten rebounds. His first triple double of the season. He was good from the free throw line. Six of eight. He was seven to sixteen from the floor. So not that great, but again. As we've talked about, Giannis has struggled in day games, and he looked very efficient early on in this one. So I, I really liked what I saw from Antetokounmpo. Uh, took care of business against the Knicks front front line that's big. Like they, they're no slouches. Like Julius Randle, Nerlens Noel, Mitchell Robinson. Like they're gonna beat guys up. Like that's not an easy task to go through those dudes, and they did they did pretty well. So. Credit to Giannis there for his two-keg performance. And then one keg going to Rodney Hood, who decided to wake up, coincidentally enough, two two games before Dante DiVincenzo comes back. It's like somebody who like needs to like ace the final test to pass the class. Like that's what Rodney Hood did. I would not be surprised if Rodney Hood has a big game against the Celtics too. So he like tells the Bucks, like, hey, don't forget about me. And they're gonna be like, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna probably we're gonna probably move on and, and go with Dante instead of you. So <laughs> we'll we'll see on that front. But yeah, good game from Rodney Hood. Hopefully that could continue. I mean, if if you do get at least a little bit from Rodney Hood and he's your ninth or tenth guy off the bench and he just comes in and shoots corner threes and you kind of get the offensive PJ Tucker production from Rodney Hood, I'm all into that. And then you just need to find the defense. And maybe that's what Semi Ojale is, and it's a deep offense defense type of thing semi's been hurt with a calf injury for i think like three or four weeks now uh but, but i also think the bucks could upgrade there and just look for a bigger body forward you know in that buyout market or in the trade market who could come off the bench similar to what tucker's role was for the team last season going to that houston game that that houston game was really impressive in a weird way so houston obviously was red hot uh to start Houston had won seven straight games. They were rolling. 
feeling good. They got out to, at one point, I think they were up nine points uh, against the Bucks in the first half. Houston could not miss. Uh, they didn't even really cool down. Like, they were 19 of 46 from three. Like, so in two games in this week, the Bucks allowed nearly, nearly 23s, both the Heat and the Rockets shot over 40% from three. Obviously an issue, but yeah, they they did their best to try to light up the Bucks. Garrison Matthews continues to really impress. I uh, had six threes in this one, but yeah, the Bucks put the clamps down in the second half and came back. It was truly impressive to see, and Giannis had an all-time game. He responded after that miserable Heat game with a 41-17-5 and three steals. He only shot the ball 19 times. He was 15 of 19, 10 of 14 from the line. One of Giannis's best games of the season. It was an absolute masterpiece. The Rockets had nobody inside to guard Giannis. Christian Wood, way too small for Antetokounmpo, and he just dominated this game, and he took all the way over, all the kegs. Like that. That is what we talk about when we're talking about the keg-like performance, three kegs, like that is a three-keg performance from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Truly impressed with that. Two kegs has to go to Pat Connaughton. So he had four threes. A lot of it was in the first half, 16 points, six rebounds. It was really important that Pat Connaughton was hitting shots in the first half because the Bucks were kind of laboring a little bit. And Pat Connaughton had a couple big shots that put ends to heat runs. And that's stuff you need. Pat Connaughton continues to be that dude off the bench. I think there is a real case for Pat Connaughton for sixth man of the year. I don't think he'll get it, but I do believe he's building a case, and I think his resume is as strong as anybody's. Uh, one keg, I'll go up with Bobby Portis. Another good one from Bobby. He had 21 points, eight boards. Uh, he was 7 of 15 from the floor, and he, he had some moments there too where he was draining them, hitting it from deep, you know, really being an offensive factor. I don't think Bobby's an all-star, but you have to look at Bobby Portis kind of closely of not only is he just an energy guy right now for the Bucks, like he is a legit third, fourth option for Milwaukee. And when I say fourth option, I do not mean like, oh yeah, maybe Bobby Portis, but like Bobby can has scored so much for Milwaukee. And you look at some of his stat lines and it's, it's really impressive. And that's why I agree I went a little too far by saying like he could be a most improved player. But there's some real good shit from him. I mean, right now he is averaging 15 and 9 for the season. That's Bobby Portis right now. 15 and 9, okay? He's a PR of 19, which is pretty good. 41st in the league. 15 and 9. First of all, 15 is a career high for Bobby from a points perspective. From a rebound perspective, it also is a career high for Bobby. So career highs in both. Now he's also at a career high in minutes. Uh, Washington's the only one that was close with 27 minutes. And that year he averaged 14 and 8. So close to what we're seeing now. But this is really impressive stuff from Portis. Um, He's definitely building a case. I don't think he'll make an all-star game, but I'll tell you what, man, like we would be lost without Bobby Portis. I don't know where the Bucks are. I'm sure they would have signed somebody similar to Portis, just like they did with Semi Ojale. And remember, Semi Ojale wasn't that hasn't been that good. So I, I think we're really fortunate to have a type of player like Bobby Portis this year. And so we'll see how the Bucks do against Boston tonight. I'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, it's a game where I wonder if the Bucks are gonna rest some dudes just because 
third game in four nights, your last game in your road trip. I could see it being a Giannis rest night or a Chris rest night or a Drew rest night. Just give somebody a day off. It would not surprise me. Boston really not playing that well. Um, they are a mediocre team at best. I do wonder what they're going to do going forward. Um, they did give the Bucs. They beat the Bucs, but it was a last-second effort, and Giannis wasn't playing in that game. So I would imagine Giannis might want to play in this one since he wasn't able to play in the last Boston game. That does it for today's Daily Tap. Thank you guys for joining us. Remember, rate, review, subscribe. If you leave a review, you leave a rating, send me a screenshot, whether on Instagram, Twitter, wherever. I will send you a little something to buy yourself a beer. All right? A little gift from me, holiday gift. I really appreciate all the support. I'm really excited for 2022. I want to make a push, and I think I know how to do it. Excited for that. Excited to take you guys on that journey. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk Bucks, Celtics. We'll probably do a little college basketball too. Talk about Marquette and UCLA. What we saw out of that, exams this week with Marquette because they had Xavier on Saturday. I didn't watch a ton of Wisconsin. I, I'm, I've been wavering back and forth on the Wisconsin coverage. You guys let me know because you guys know I'm not as into it. I don't watch as much. I didn't watch a ton no, you know what? I'm not gonna do Wisconsin. I, 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 I keep. I feel bad. Like I feel weird not talking about them. But I also like. I don't plan my day around Badger basketball. I'm sorry. I just don't like. It's just how it goes. And we've talked about it. I don't need to beat that horse into the ground. Maybe the National Sign Day. I don't know. We'll find topics. Don't you worry. We always find topics. We'll have topics for Monday. We'll talk about them. Uh, Mitch and I will probably be back in the booth for the Wednesday show uh, as the Bucks play on Monday, Wednesday as well. So that means usually Mitch and I are taping on the day the Bucks are not playing. So look forward to that and all the other stuff. So we'll have a full schedule this week and then next week when we go into the holidays, that will change up a little bit. It'll be interesting because we have the Packer game on, on Saturday. So we'll, will we have a Sunday pod? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll make, we'll make it work. Don't you worry. All right. Take care, guys. Have a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.